Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. She's one of the most recognizable figures in the art world, but she's shrouded in mystery. Ever since Louis XVIII donated her to the Louvre in 1821, she's captured the attention and praise of audiences and historians, but many are still baffled by her origins. So who is Venus de Milo, and what exactly happened to her arms? The half-draped, armless marble statue of a goddess that many of us know as the Venus de Milo likely represents one of two figures who aren't technically Venus, the Roman goddess of love, sex, beauty, and fertility, but rather either Aphrodite, Venus's Greek counterpart, or Amphorite, the goddess queen of the sea and wife of Poseidon. But when the statue was discovered in 1820 on the Greek island of Milos and presented to Louis, who in turn donated her to the Louvre, no one was quite sure what to make of her. For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke via email with Andrew Stewart, Nicholas C. Petrus Professor of Greek Studies Emeritus at UC Berkeley. He said, When the Louvre acquired the statue in 1820, the British Museum had just acquired the Elgin Marbles, universally attributed to the 5th century BCE sculptor Phidias, generally acknowledged by ancients and moderns as the greatest of Greek sculptors. Since she was obviously later stylistically, but still classical, she was immediately attributed to Praxilides, the greatest 4th century BCE sculptor and universally acknowledged master of the female nude, epitomized by the love goddess Aphrodite. A base found with her, signed by the sculptor Alexandros of Magnesia on the Meander, a city not founded until the 3rd century BCE, was thus immediately, and conveniently, lost. According to Stuart, a German archaeologist is credited with discovering Venus de Milo's true roots as a Greek neoclassical statue, not a classical one. But the revelation didn't come until the late 19th century, when he realized that her drapery was clearly Hellenistic and probably created in the 2nd century BCE. Despite her real identity, the statue is still often tied to an older era. Stuart said, she still is regarded as a masterpiece of the classical genre partly because we have so few originals of her size, state of preservation, and quality. If you've never seen her in person, you may not know how much larger than life she really is. The Venus de Milo stands some 6 feet 8 inches tall, that's about 204 centimeters. Some details of her original appearance are known. Uh, For one thing, she originally wore metal jewelry, including a bracelet, earrings, and headband, since there are fixation holes remaining in the appropriate locations on the statue. The marble that she's carved from may have been embellished with painting, gilding, silvering, or other coloration that's since faded or fallen away. And at some point, she did, in fact, have arms, but they were never found. Stewart said, The right arm is broken away. Its hand originally grasped the top of her drapery. The bust, legs, left arm, foot, base, and herm socketed into the base were carved separately— and doweled on with iron dowels set in lead, a common technique. A herm, by the way, is a square pillar that's topped with a carved statue of a god's head, often Hermes, hence the name. Stuart said that at the end of antiquity, a time period that signifies the transition from the Greco-Roman period to the Middle Ages, someone removed Venus's limbs in order to take the metal dowels and recycle them. Quote, The best bet, in my opinion, is that she held an apple in her outstretched left hand, which would have rested on the herm. Such an arm was found in a nearby niche and is represented in a 19th century drawing in the Louvre. The apple would be both her personal accessory or attribute, her token prize at the Judgment of Paris, 
and a pun on the name of the island, since the Greek for apple is Milon, and apples feature prominently on Hellenistic Melian coins. The Judgment of Paris is a Greek myth that's central to Venus de Milo's many symbolic ties. It describes a contest between three goddesses, Aphrodite, Hera, and Athena, for the prize of a golden apple addressed to the fairest. Stuart wrote all about this in his book, Art in the Hellenistic World, an introduction. A quote from that book. Dedicated to the gods of the gymnasium in which she was found, she would have symbolized the ties of affection that united the Melians who exercised there. Moreover, Greeks had long understood the judgment of Paris as symbolizing a man's three principal life choices, war, Athena, politics, Hera, or love, Aphrodite. Stuart says that because they were, at the time, largely engaged in war and politics, that third category, love, marriage, and home life, were attractive or aspirational. He said that Venus's multidimensional appeal, quote, would have created the sense of an in-group among the gymnasium's clientele, satisfying at one stroke the demands of local piety and this culture's overriding desire to connect. But this is just one theory. HowStuffWorks also spoke with Elizabeth Wayland Barber, Professor Emerita of Archaeology and Linguistics at Occidental College and author of Women's Work, The First 20,000 Years, Women, Cloth, and Society in Early Times. She thinks Venus's missing arms were very much engaged in a different and meaningful domestic activity. She said, While studying the origin and development of textiles in the Eastern Hemisphere, I found copious evidence that women were always doing most or all of the textile-related work. The Venus de Milo is in exactly the position used at that time and place for spinning thread, the part of the job that took the most time, so women were spinning every moment they could find. Barber says that although the statue's arms are long gone, the musculature sculpted in her shoulders and upper back suggests that they were raised in just the position required for spinning and her eyes are focused on the exact spot one would have to watch as they spun. She said, also Aphrodite, aka Venus, was viewed by the Greeks as the goddess of spinning as well as of procreation, but the two are closely linked, both by the umbilical cord attached to the new baby and by the fact that in both spinning and baby making, you start with a formless blob and create something remarkable out of it, seemingly by magic. Whatever the case, we can all agree that the Venus de Milo is one of the most enduringly fascinating, albeit puzzling, products of the Hellenistic period. Today's episode is based on the article Venus de Milo, the most famous armless statue in the world on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Michelle Konstantinovsky. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hold up. 